This is an ABC podcast. Good morning. This is the Friday Sports Edition of Pacific Beat on ABC Radio Australia. Today on the show, Twin Cyclones Judy and Kevin wreak havoc on Cricket Vanuatu's HQ. Riders its national teams gear up for the Pacific Island Cricket Challenge. But that might not be their biggest problem. We went to the immigration office on Wednesday when they reopened that they didn't have power to power the machines that uh, produce the passports and the identity documents. Meanwhile, as the Fijian Drua return home, the PNG Hunters hit the road to open their Queensland Rugby League season. And is darts a sport or a game? Either way, it's certainly popular in PNG. It's for Mosby Darts Association. Uh, they've got, you know, in excess of about 40 to 50 teams. We'll learn all about that and more today on the show. I'm Kyle Evans filling in for Richard Hewitt. So glad to have your company. But first, hot off the press, we start with some major news out of Fiji where former Prime Minister Frank Bainimarama will front the magistrate's court within the hour for abuse of office. Mr Bainimarama spent last night in lockup after he was arrested, along with former police commissioner Sidavani Giliho, after a month-long investigation by police. The pair are alleged to have interfered with a police investigation into a corruption complaint laid by the University of the South Pacific. Acting Assistant Police Commissioner Sakeo Rakathi explained to the media about the circumstances around the arrest. The two have been charged with one count of abuse of office. It's following the sanctioning of charges by the Director of Public Prosecution, Mr. Christopher Pride. Mr. Mbanimarama and Brigadier General Ngilio were brought in for further questioning this afternoon. Upon the completion of the questioning, Via video recording interviews, the two were formally charged and will be kept in custody at the Totama Police Station. The two will be produced at the Super Magistrate Court tomorrow. As advised by Mr. Pride, the Special Task Force, headed by the Director of Criminal Investigation, will undertake further investigations into other matters arising from this case. We will release more information when there are new developments made. I also want to use this opportunity to clear the air and reassure members of the public who may have questioned the prolonged manner in which the investigations are being handled by the CID Special Task Force. Their work has been labelled by many to be different from the handling of investigations at witness in the past, where once a report is received, suspects are immediately brought in for questioning and kept in custody. I want to reiterate the independence of the investigation process in place, as what is being witnessed is not an attempt to purposely delay the investigation or questioning process, but this is the proper manner in which investigations are to be conducted. Investigators are given full autonomy to conduct the necessary work of gathering of statements and evidence and the questionings of persons of interest. There is no interference into the handling of these cases by, the, by other senior officers. As the investigation team reports directly to me, as the line assistant commissioner of police, the chief of intelligence, investigation and prosecutions. We understand that and recognize that the concerns are valid due to the past practices. On behalf of the acting commissioner of police, 
assure the public that the investigations are being produced, are being conducted in accordance with the process and the procedure. So why have you decided to hold them overnight here at the Thomas? Well, that is the procedures. Uh, this is not a bearable offence. They have been charged under Section 139, which is an abuse of office. So the police does not have an authority to release them on bail. Acting Assistant Police Commissioner there, Sakaya Rakathi, speaking about the arrest of former Fiji Prime Minister Frank Bainimarama. And that question there was from Lithe Mavono, the ABC's reporter in Fiji. Well, when Category 4 Cyclone Judy and Kevin hit Vanuatu, gale force winds and torrential rains wreaked havoc, destroying food, gardens, homes, infrastructure and roads. Among those caught in the crosswinds were Vanuatu Cricket, whose headquarters felt the full force of the twin cyclones' destructive winds. While the storms have calmed, Tim Cutler, the CEO of Vanuatu Cricket, says the challenge is far from over. Well, I've been here almost two years now and uh, it's definitely my first and biggest cyclone experience. It's been uh, surreal to say the least, but really heartening to see still the fact that there are smiles on everyone's faces and to see everybody band together to to get Vanuatu back on its feet again. And that's very much true in the, the cricket sense too. Unfortunately, we had the roof of our main office, Independence Park, peeled back like tin foil and everything damaged within it. But despite having their own clean-up to do within their own community. So the Melee community came and helped move everything from that office to our other facility the morning after Cyclone Kevin came through. So that was really inspirational, really, um, when everyone sort of being at home helping their own families over the health cricket. Um, but sort of very here and now issue is that we've got men's and women's teams travelling off to Fiji Friday morning for the Pacific Islands Cricket Challenge, which is going to be Fiji, Samoa, TNG, us, and a combined um, ANZAC team because this uh, event is being um, backed by the Australian Defence Force. We've got over 30 people trying to uh, to get to Fiji. So uh, as I'm speaking now, we're urgently awaiting the power to come back on in the government offices so they can print out eight passports or emergency documents so some of our women's players are going to be able to, to fly. So there's a there's a bit going on. There's a sort of power coming back on in, in bits and pieces around Port Vila um, with the sound of generators and chainsaws penetrating probably uh, 24 hours a day with people still trying to get things cleaned up. But um, as my sort of first experience here, I can really see why people do talk about the resilience of Vanuatu and its people because everyone is just getting on with life and looking to help each other. Um, and even when people have lost everything, including a couple of our staff members, they're still at work trying to, to help clean up and get cricket moving again. Now, Tim, you mentioned there about the cricket uh, Vanuatu headquarters being damaged. What about the impact on the playing pitch and the, and the surface? How's, how's that coped with all the heavy rain and uh, the wind? Yeah, I think the fields here are quite used to being wet. Thankfully, there's no irreparable damage, it seems, done to any of our playing uh, surfaces. Um, and the offices and high-performance centre next to the Corman Stadium, which was built back in 2017 for the Pacific Mini Games, everything seems OK. And it's quite... Uh, if I had to put money on it, I would have said that the office at Independence Park would have survived and our offices at Corman, which were 
the accommodation built um, by the the Chinese workers when they were building the the stadium and just cinder blocks and and iron over the top, but somehow they've survived. So as soon as people are ready again and we'll be able to play cricket, um, which will hopefully be in the next weekend or so. Um, but in the meantime, the cricket community will be able to watch the Pacific Island Cricket Challenge because that will all be all be streamed. Speaking about the Pacific Island Cricket Challenge, what exactly is it and what uh, you mentioned the teams that are travelling, uh, if you can tell us a bit about it. Yeah, it's been something that's been in the works for, for quite a while. It's an Australian Defence Force backed event. Well, we need to pay for the flights to Fiji and once we get there, everything else is covered. And it's just I think Australia extending their arms even further to into the Pacific and using cricket as that vehicle um, this time. I think in the past there's been other investment into to rugby league and, and other sports. I think it's the first time they're using cricket, which is great for the Pacific members of the ICC. There was a 10 person from each country um, skills development program actually being held at the moment before the events but unfortunately with with everything that happened here we weren't able to get more than a couple of our players there and thankfully Valenta, Lengiatu, Selena Solman and Rachel Andrew were in Australia and they were able to travel direct to Fiji uh, early so they're there waiting for us now but yeah it'll be side by side men's and women's tournaments There'll be PNG, Samoa, Fiji, ourselves, and combined ANZAC teams, both on the men's and women's. So there'll be a single round robin and running into the final. I think they'll be played from the 11th until the 18th of March. And you, and you mentioned about the, the wait for the power to come back on. Is that looking hopeful? Um, well, I'm standing outside my house at the moment, which is about 10 minutes out of Port Vila, and the drive here you still have to drive over some high-voltage power lines that are still across the road. So I don't think that's going to be any time soon where I'm from or where I live. But uh, power's already back on in, in town, and driving around town, you wouldn't know anything had happened. It's bustling, people everywhere, and power's just coming on in different pockets in and around Port Vila at the moment as the provider, Unolco, is just working, no doubt, 24-7, trying to get power up and running again. And you were saying there's eight players waiting for passports so they can travel? Yes. Um, I think it's one of these sort of like only in, in Vanuatu stories. Um, the, we went to the immigration office on Wednesday when they reopened, but they didn't have power to power the machines that, that uh, produce the passports and the identity documents. So we had offered the generator to get up there to get things going, but I believe they've got uh, power now and that we're at the top of the pile considering the urgency of travel and the fact it's for a national cricket team um, to get that issued. They had the application sort of weeks before and we're hopefully we were going to get it last week but then basically everything was, was shut down um, basically after to Judy came through on Wednesday and then of course Kevin came through with the, uh, the follow through with the twin cyclones on Friday so not much has happened since. Tim Cutler, CEO of Vanuatu Cricket, speaking there to the ABC's Evan Wasuka. Tune in to SBS Samoa News on ABC Radio Australia. SBS Samoa News features independent news and stories connecting you to life in Australia and Samoan-speaking Australians by our friends at SBS Australia. SBS Samoa News. Tune in Mondays and Thursdays at 6.05am Samoan time for one hour of news in the Samoan language on ABC Radio Australia.
Well, after opening the Super Rugby season on the road, the Fiji Endura will be playing at home on Saturday in Lautoka's Churchill Park. Close to 16,000 are expected to turn out for the Super Rugby powerhouse, the Canterbury Crusaders, who made a ruthless return to form last week. The Endura, meanwhile, are coming off a disappointing loss to the New South Wales Waratahs. However, it's what happened off the field that's concerned head coach Mick Byrne. There's challenges for each team around the competition for us. It's probably more so the fact that there's certain ways of things getting done that haven't catered for the fact that there's a non-English speaking team in the competition. And so we've experienced a couple of those where we're working with that and no doubt we'll, be, we'll, we'll certainly be better for it from our end as well. But that sort of challenge is, it's a small one. The biggest challenge is for us is the professionalism of turning up each week, recovery, getting our recovery right, getting our sleep patterns right, getting our eating right, all the new habits that our players are developing. And you know where we've come from in the last 12 months in that area is very impressive for our boys to have adopted or adapted to the, the professionalism that had very little experience. That was Mick Burns speaking at a press conference on Tuesday. And those language concerns refer to one of his players who couldn't understand the questions he was being asked by a doctor during a concussion test. He failed as a result, meaning he had to sit out for 12 days. To find out more about that incident, we've brought back Indra Singh, who is the head of news and sport at the Fiji Broadcasting Corporation. Uh, Bula Indra. Hey, good morning, Carl. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Good, thanks. Um, this happened, I believe, last week uh, during that really physical uh, encounter with the Waratahs in Melbourne. Um, now, we heard Mick just before. He was, he was quite emotional about it. He was more subdued there, but particularly after the game in that press conference. Um, has this been an ongoing concern for the team? Well, look, this is the first we've heard of it, uh, Carl. And then I, I totally understand where Mick Byrne is coming from. It is a non-English speaking team that we have got in the uh, comp and they need, uh, they need, they need to get up to par in terms of, you know, understanding the logistical, uh, surroundings. But Mickey too. I mean, there's got to be some, uh, the, some leeway or some, um, uh, understanding as to how the teams, particularly from the islands like Fiji, uh, you know, how do they, uh, uh, you know, uh, navigate this situation because, if that's what's happening and uh, the players are failing to understand, then that's what's going to happen. Is he going to start losing players? But on the other hand, I think the Drua will also have to get it together and get their heads together and start working on uh, ways to try and counter this. And perhaps the medical staff, which is very ably led by uh, some of the best uh, physios and uh, doctors that are there, part of the uh, Drua, will need to work with us, uh, the, um, the, um, the body that's looking after the medical side of things. So, so it's both ways. And I think Mick Byrne... Uh, you know, the great part was that he said he didn't use that as an excuse for the losses, uh, at least for the loss uh, against the Waratahs uh, last weekend, where he said the wheels just fell off because based on performance. But this is a concern because if you're going to have this language barrier, that is something that needs to be looked at. It's, it's not a big issue uh, in, in my, uh, from where I'm looking at it. It's just the basic communications to try and sort this out. Yeah, one of the things that caught my ear was that uh, it was it was rival Super League doctors that were carrying out these tests. Does the Andrua have have their own doctor who could maybe do this for the team? Do you, do you know? Yeah, yeah, no, they do have a medical team. It's a full-fledged medical team, and that, that's what I said. They need to perhaps uh, get back into camp. Well, they are in Fiji this week. Um, relook at it. Uh, relook at what they want to do, and perhaps um, uh, you know uh, get some really good professional advice as to how they can handle these situations themselves. And, of course, in conjunction, liaison with a match day doctor, 
that he's appointed, I believe, by the um, uh, you know by every uh, by, by for every match, and then, then that's when he comes to a conclusion. So. Yes, I agree with Mick Byrne, but Drua also play a part in it, and I think we can come to a very good solution and avoid such incidents in the future. Yeah, well, it does It does seem like a, a pretty easy fix, and hopefully they can get that done. Um, on to the, uh, the on-field stuff. Really physical game uh, against the Waratahs last week. They were probably, uh, I guess, pretty disappointed to lose that one by as big as, big as they did. What, what did you make of it? Yeah, look, I mean, you know, at halftime when it was 10-all, and then the second half, they just got blown away by the Tars. I, I watched that game uh, on, on telly here, and, you know, at halftime, the Waratahs did say that they have got a game plan, and that is to rock it and maul it and, you know, use their forwards, and it worked. The draw, I think the forwards, uh, you know, the skipper, Tevita Ikenavere, is playing some of the best rugby that we've seen the youngster play. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's showing uh, the competition what he's made of, so he's definitely leading the way. The forwards have been in outstanding form. However, the concern lies with the back line. You know, the loss of Vinaya Hambosi, who additional uh, issues uh, resulted in his contract, he terminated. He's off to France, he's playing T14. Uh, he's gone, and then they don't have a uh, come back this weekend after injury. They uh, also, uh, Ravovo, who was one of the outstanding midfield backs last year, he hasn't put in a solid shift like he did last season. And then they do not have those wings that, you know, can do the damage that we have seen uh, the Drua do last year from any part of the field. They are practically running in tries from their own 22-meter line. And Hambosi was involved with that. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, whatever transpired with that, Hambosi, I mean, the Drua, you know, uh, uh, acted uh, and how they acted, that's, that's all for them to deal with. But what I'm saying is our line needs to, if the forwards are doing their job, the back line needs to step up. Because you facing, and the comps are only going to get harder, and you need some dynamic Fijian player to ignite um, uh, ignite this Jua. And once they get going, I think they will. But most definitely, they're very lucky to come away with a win against Moana Pacifica in the first round with that last in the try. And then very, very disappointed with that big loss against uh, the Waratahs after having played well in the first uh, 40. Yeah, look, one of the shining lights, I guess, was Mick. He did praise the physicality uh, from their forwards. A few yellow cards, though, which I guess they'll have to have to rectify this week. Do you think they'll have enough in the tank to uh, to make it competitive against, obviously, a powerhouse like the Crusaders? Well, you know, the Shaders did not start very well, and they are solo starters in the competition, and we we all know that. But uh, this week they have named a sort of a relatively second-string team. You know, if, if there's any chance of beating the Crusaders... Today, at the captain's run, that's what the skipper, he kind of very talking to his boys and saying, you know, this is the one, we can do it tomorrow. They don't have Richie Moana, who's touted as the best fly half in the Southern Hemisphere. They have rested a couple of the others, but they do have some good firepower in terms of uh, Sebu Reese, the Fijian wing, and then they've got the Barrett, uh, the skipper. So it will be Havili's there. So, you know, the Fijians, it will all about it will be all about believing in themselves. Once they can believe in themselves, cut out the indiscipline, I think they can stand a chance. You're listening to the Friday Sports Edition of Pacific Beat. I'm talking with FBC sports journalist and head of news, Indra Singh, and we're discussing the Fiji and Drewers homecoming this weekend. Indra, speaking uh, of that homecoming, it's the first home game uh, of the season. Look, you, I'm sure you, you've been on the ground there. You're probably uh, amongst it all. Is everyone excited for the game? Oh, most definitely. The Crusaders, prior to the Drua joining the competition, the Crusaders had the biggest following in Fiji. Um, out of all the Super Rugby teams. So this week, it's, uh, you know, everyone's excited. Um, the ticket sales um, picking up. That's what we've been told. 
That's interesting. So is it officially sold out yet? No, not yet, mate. It's not sold out. There's still tickets available. And uh, people can still get that uh, uh, for tomorrow's match. Yeah, interesting. Okay. And I suppose yeah, one of the other things that came out of the press release that I was reading yesterday is that the return the return of the Andrewa captain, uh, Darren Alangi, uh, he'll be in uniform, uh, along with a familiar face, uh, er- Erin Sow, who they, I believe they call the Sledgehammer. <laughs> do, you, do you think those guys will give a boost to the side? Oh, most definitely. If the Sledgehammer can put in a performance that he did a few seasons ago uh, in the World Rugby 7 Series and he got snapped up uh, by a French club for T14, uh, most definitely it's going to ignite this backline. You know, but one player who's really stood out for this backline has been Isef Omasi. He's come in uh, from the Olympics uh, to the Rugby League and now back to Union. He's been in sensational form and he'll hold key tomorrow against the Crusaders. Fantastic. Now, before we before we go, uh, Indra, I just wanted to get your thoughts. I, I spent all, I don't know about you, but I spent all last weekend on the couch uh, watching the Super Rugby Sevens in Vancouver. I guess when you weigh things up, it was probably another disappointing finish uh, for Fiji for both the men and women. What what did you make of that? Yeah, I think, uh, Carl, we spoke about this. You know, uh, Fiji needed to win this tournament. Mm. Why? Because they haven't uh, done so this season. They haven't won a tournament. They played in one final. And guess who's taken them down again? Their bogey team, Argentina. Yep. So lost to us. And, and, and look, it's not Fiji. It's just the way... Uh, uh, you know, Santiago Gomez-Cora has improved his team and Argentina over the years have kept an, uh, a great team. Fiji's biggest downfall, and it's been admitted to by coach Ben Gollings when questioned by media, has been that we're giving opposition and referees, you know, a reason to, uh, you know, take us down. You look at the discipline factor during the uh, game, the players were verbally, you know, are taking on uh, the opposition that, that, that doesn't help. You're just playing right into the hands of the opposition. I mean, you have a superstar like Jerry Tuai who is doing great work. Unfortunately, the guy didn't have the full, uh, you know, the result that he wanted. But a couple of players that uh, Ben will definitely need to look at uh, is that. And also the, uh, sin, uh, the yellow card situations. Um, and again, discipline factor coming back in. However, on the other hand, Fiji uh, Rugby Union has now said they might reach out to Ben Ryan and try and get him on board uh, in some capacity in the future uh, to help the side. So that will be that will be something that um, you know will get fans a bit excited. Uh, ben Ryan, uh, you know, he got us our first Olympic gold medal. So shush, will he be able to come across? Uh, he's helping. He's part of the Brentford football side uh, in the English Premier League. So it all depends on his availability. But yeah, I mean, as we spoke last time, that you know they needed to do something. Uh, they haven't. So the pressure is on for Hong Kong. Yeah, I've heard Ben Ryan's name floating around. I've also heard there's going to be a, a performance review uh, undertaken between now and Hong Kong. It'll be very interesting to see how things look between now and then. I think that's about 25 days away. Uh, Indra, thank you as always for joining us uh, on Pacific Beat, and, uh, and we'll be watching with eyes peeled to see how the Andrua go this weekend. No worries, Carl. We'll definitely be keeping a close team, and we'll speak soon. I'm pretty sure about more of the Drua and the Sevens. All the best, mate. That was interesting. Head of News and Sport at the Fiji Broadcasting Corporation. Join me, Rick Howe, on Island Music for the finest in ska, rocksteady, roots, dub, sizzling dancehall and all the hottest releases from around the Pacific. Hi, I'm Ronnie Kareni from Sorong Samurai and you're listening to Island Music. My name is Tierney from Titanio Takara and you're listening to Island Music. Join me, Rick Howe, on Island Music. Saturdays, 12pm PNG time on ABC Radio Australia.
Now it's time to look at all the big news that is making headlines around the Pacific. And joining me to do that this morning is reporter Evan Wasuka. Evan, good morning. Good morning, Kyle. Happy Friday to you. Uh, what's the latest from uh, Vanuatu, which is clearing up, I understand, from those uh, Category 4 cyclones? That's right, Kyle. Uh, Radio New Zealand is reporting that the initial cost of damage so far is around US $50 million, but that uh, amount is expected to rise as more information comes to hand as uh, as the government sends out workers to do assessments on the different parts of the country. Uh, right now, it's slowly trickling in, so we'll, we'll, we'll find out the final cost a bit later on. Uh, over in the capital, Port Vila, as we heard in that interview with the uh, uh, Vanuatu cricket captain, uh, cricket executive, sorry, uh, power is returning to different parts of the capital slowly, but surely it's, it's coming back and the cleanup is uh, happening. Uh, it's progressing quite well. Um, it, it's in the outer parts of the country where food gardens have been destroyed and people are still assessing the exact toll on the, uh, the cyclone. Uh, there's also concerns by authorities that there might be food shortages in the coming weeks with those uh, crops being destroyed. Um, in terms of support from partner countries, uh, yesterday HM, HMAS Canberra arrived from Australia. It's, it brought over humanitarian supplies, uh, water and a salination plant to help with uh, water supply. So uh, we, we're seeing support from there. The Daily Post is also reporting that Fiji will be sending over 36 military officers to also help with the, uh, the recovery effort. And uh, New Caledonia had also were, were quite fast in responding to Cyclone Judy and Cyclone Kevin with uh, sending over a vessel with uh, humanitarian support as well. And just still at Vanuatu, there's a sad story in the Vanuatu Daily Post about coffins being washed up uh, following Cyclone, those two twin cyclones. Uh, there was a report that six coffins from a cemetery in Port Vila had surfaced. Uh, they've since been reburied, but it's it's one of those stories that has come out in the aftermath of those uh, twin cyclones. Yeah, that 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 is really really sad. Um, I guess you know if there's a silver lining, it's great to see so many of their neighbour countries get in and help with the clean up effort. I for one, I've seen the HMAS Canberra in person. That is a huge boat, and they'll be able to fit a lot of supplies on board, which is great news. Um, sticking with our sports theme, let's go to PNG uh, with a story about sporting venues. Yeah, so Kyle, back in 2015, PNG was the host of the Pacific Games, which is the biggest sporting event in the region. Of course, we know this year it's going to the Solomon Islands uh, later in November. Now, back then, PNG built a new sporting complex. Uh, so this is the Rita Flynn uh, Center. Uh, so it spent about US $15 million. But now Islands Business Magazine is reporting that uh, that facility is deteriorating quite badly. Uh, there's issues with the flooring. Uh, in p- some parts, it's it's rotting. Uh, so that's that facility is is the main netball uh, court and the basketball arena that's used over there in Port Moresby. And then during the height of the pandemic, it was also used as a COVID nineteen uh, center for people who are being uh, looked after by medical authorities. Uh, since then, it's been reported that it's been looted. And there's also been reports that there's no more power to that area because uh, the, the, the electricity providers have cut power because the bills weren't paid. Uh, so it's in quite a state of disrepair. Um, the PNG Sports Foundation is looking after it. Uh, there's uh, 
10 million dollars 10 million kina has been provided by the government to upgrade sporting venues but it's still unclear what will happen to this facility that was built just over a uh, little under 10 years ago for sports in uh, Papua New Guinea. Yeah, that's really sad. A lot of money gets pumped into those venues and, and you'd think that after, after you know, what they're used for, you get some sort of legacy um, out of them, whether that's used for things like social housing or, or, or anything. Do you think that's something for the sports administrators in the Solomon Islands to, to consider? Early on when... Uh before the construction started and work started in Honiara for the Pacific Games, uh, it was something that the authorities were considering. And a lot of the funding for this Games coming up uh, in November in Honiara has been directed towards schools that will be venues for both accommodation and then for some of the events. So uh, a lot of money has been pumped into these uh, schools around the capital where they'll be hosting teams coming in. So hopefully we'll see some of that uh, uh, have a future benefit in terms of education and uh, schools in, in Solomon Islands. Yeah, that is good news. You get, you get so much brand new infrastructure out, these, uh, out of these events. You, just, you certainly want to make the most of it uh, going forward, don't you? Um, Evan Wazuka, thank you very much for joining us today for News Wrap. Thank you, Kyle. That was... Pre- You're listening to Pacific Beat on ABC Radio Australia. It's Friday, March 10, and you're listening to the Friday Sports Edition of Pacific Beat. But if you've just tuned in, we've had some big news out of Fiji at the top of the show with former Prime Minister Frank Bainimarama arrested and set to front court this morning. The ABC will keep you up to date with that. Still to come, though, on today's show, we'll check in with the PNG Hunters ahead of their opening Host Plus Cup match with the Western Clydesdales. We'll also bring you a fun story about darts before checking in with Tia Rocco to recap all the big stories of the week. Love sport? Tune in to Can You Be More Pacific with Sarah Nangama and Dean Halatau. But, like, you know, rugby union, like, they reset the scrum so often. Like, is it, oh, here we go. It's a bit of a time waster. Like, we just get our start and move on. Yeah. But see, like, your, your play is, like, no different to just a tap to, and go. <laughs> we're so, trying to one don't up even try and compare it. Let's stop trying to one-up each other. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to end up in a fight soon. Can You Be More Pacific? Thursday night, 6pm PNG time on ABC Radio Australia. Well, last week it was the Dolphins who made headlines in the NRL after beating the Sydney City Roosters in their first ever game in the competition. Pacific fingerprints were all over that match as well, with Samoa's Hamiso Tabuai Fadao etching himself into the history books with the club's first ever try, while Tongan Felici Kafusi claimed man of the match honours. This week, however, it will be the first Queensland Rugby League match for Host Plus, Host Plus Cup newcomers, the Western Clydesdales, and they'll be up against, you guessed it, the PNG Hunters, who will travel to Toowoomba for their season opening clash on Sunday. Among them will be young gun Sherwin Tunabi, who recently returned to the Hunters squad after earning a training contract with the Dolphins in the off-season. So how long did the trial process go for? Was it a couple of months? Oh, yeah, so it went on for six weeks. Six weeks, so a fair bit of time, it sounds like. Yep, exactly. Now, the Dolphins, they obviously made huge headlines last week in the NRL, obviously huge win over the Sydney City Roosters. Were you watching and cheering the boys on? Yeah, I was I was watching the game, and like the first half, the boys were down, and then the second half, and when I came back, it was already 28, and it was like two minutes to go, and then I had to, like, I was really keen to go watch the game all over again and see how the boys got back. And I guess one of the great things about for yourself this season is you're going to be able to take that experience you got with the Dolphins into the Host Plus Cup. Are you excited to do that? 
Yeah, Montreal, especially like I've been learning a lot from them, and especially like Wayne and Christian Wolf, especially because Christian's uh, defense coach has been helping me a lot on my defense, especially on the edge with my decision making and like everything in and out on defending, defending on the edge. One of the exciting things about this week as well, obviously you had the Dolphins who've made their NRL debut last week, but in the Host Plus Cup, there'll be another team returning to the competition. That's the Western Clydesdales, and you'll be facing them up first in round one. What do you make of the game? Yeah, all the boys are looking forward for the game. It's been a long, hard season up in Pong, and yeah, we'll just go out there and our best this weekend. Yeah, they've got a really interesting backstory, the Clydesdales. They've been out of the competition since 2006. They were called something different back then, but they were a pretty good side. Do you expect a fair bit of fanfare around them this weekend? Because I imagine there's probably going to be a fair few fans at the game who are just so happy to see them return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched one of the interviews and they were interviewing the boys in the training and like they, the boys spoke about how the town has been going with, uh, especially with, they had a few trial matches and a number of like locals in the town that turned up. It was they had a good number because especially like that team coming back into the cup side. So yeah, we're looking forward for that. Yeah, it's funny how it works, isn't it? You guys are obviously going to make a massive homecoming when you return to PNG, but before you do that, you've got to watch another team do it. So we first um, we have our first round one and two away games. So we first um, make plays down at. Um, uh, in Logan, I think, and then our first home game for this season is up against our our coach last year, Chachi. Yes, of course. He, he's, he's moved to, the, to Brisbane, the Brisbane Tigers, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, Tigers, yeah. So just on this week's game, it's a much different looking team to last season. How much has the team changed? Is there a fair few new personnel? Most of the boys from last year, some have moved on to other clubs. Some have been uh, conducted to the Israel Cup. And, yeah, so, and then so the boys from the Israel Cup have been selected into the squad this year, so it's pretty exciting to see how the boys from Basel Cup come up and like, get into the system, know it, and yeah, looking forward to the game and how we've been doing well, like improving from the past two trial matches, so yeah, we're looking forward to build on that and work into the season. You're only a very young player yourself, but uh, all of a sudden you're, you're probably going to take a, a little bit of a, a senior role or a leadership role in the side. I imagine it's probably pretty exciting for a few of the Digicel Cup boys to come up and, and make their debuts this season. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like For me, it was the, it's a good feeling to especially come up and make your debut. And you know that you're not just playing for yourself, it's you're playing for your family and and also the country's watching because it's uh, it's the country's team. And just on yourself, you had a huge year last year. You're make, making that international debut. You've trained with the Dolphins in the off-season. What, what are your personal goals for this season? Do you want to try and potentially earn yourself a start with the Dolphins sometime during the season? For me, like as an individual, I'm just looking forward to like some consistent footy. And if I'm being consistent and playing good footy every week in, week out, then hopefully I can get something now, just lastly, before we go, you guys obviously had your last trial match of the season last weekend. It was the first ever Melanesian Bowl, as a matter of fact, against the Kavadi Silk Tails. What was that experience like? Uh, it was good because last year we were like we were set to play this game, the first Melanesian Bowl down at the coast, but there was a storm, so they, they cancelled the game. But uh, it was good to like go over to Fiji and where's our Melanesian brothers there. But yeah, it was we had a heavy rain. The field was soaked, but yeah. It was a good game. Tough physical game. A bit of a PNG state of origin in a way. Do you think the game showed enough potential to become like a, a regular fixture in the years to come? Oh, yeah. Good idea to like um, be playing this game every year. This Malaysian ball 
from like how I see sometimes they can come over here and we can go over there. It's good. It's good to be playing this game every year. Yeah, and, and I guess the good thing about it as well was that obviously you guys play in a, in a higher tier than the Silk Tails do, but it sounds like it was a pretty competitive game with you guys coming from behind to win. Oh, yeah, 100%. The first 20, 30, first half, the Silk Tails were on. They were on in the game. They they, they, a bit, they suffered. We, we were expecting it because uh, knowing that we're a nation, the game's going to be tough. So they'll come out hard. They want to win. So, yeah, but it was good. The boys stuck together and we got the win at the end. Yeah, the Melanesian Bowl, what a concept. That was Hunter's second rower, Sherwin Tanabe, speaking with me there. And just on the Fiji Silk Tales, they'll make their Ron Massey Cup debut next weekend. Pacific Beat. Is darts a sport or a game? While many will point out that darts has been listed as a sport here in Australia for the past century, what's undeniable now is how competitive and popular it is in Papua New Guinea. The Excuse me, there, darts clubs and tournaments have sprung up across the country with a mix of culture and flair. ABC Pacific Sports reporter Ali Almond with this report. This is what the sport of darts sounds like in Papua New Guinea. The sound was captured from a cola darts stall. These daily gatherings at markets or public meeting spots can draw quite the crowd. Growers play for bottles of Coca-Cola, hence the name, but also for money, tobacco, beer and noodles. Away from the rogue collar darts on the streets and into the pubs and clubs, the official sport of darts is more popular than ever. In PNG, darts teams are organised into district associations. Port Moresby boasts at least five darts associations and Dr Kapawa Kapawa is president of one of them, the National Capital District Darts Association. For our association, uh, from 2017-2018 upwards, uh, we've definitely had a lot of interest. Uh, uh, The the major darts association is Port Moresby Darts Association, uh, they've had, you know, in excess of about 40 to 50 teams. Dr Kapoa Kapoa says there's also a great interest in the sport from PNG's youth. Yeah, we, we do. Um, there's a lot lot more children, um, well, I mean, youth uh, picking up the game. Uh, nearly all the uh, the players, you know, they they come from darting families, so to speak. So if, if their parents were once dart players, you know, they've usually picked up the sport and uh, follow through. We've had some great talent come through. Our top uh, dart player at the moment is actually two brothers uh, who have always been fighting for first and second, the uh, Keke brothers, uh, Joseph and uh, Emmanuel. Joseph is only, I think he just turned 19, uh, so he's quite young for his age, and his his, his brother, Emmanuel, is a PNG rep, and he was he's probably turning about 22 this year. I think our youngest player at the moment is around 12, and it's a she, and she's probably in the top 15 of the women's players. That girl is Sarah Pipena, and she plays for her family team, the Taurus. Why do I like playing that? At first, I didn't know how to play, but then I saw my dad and uncle playing, and I wanted to try it. 
when I tried, I found out I was actually good at it. So then I played and now I'm playing in a real competition. Last year, Sarah played Division 1 against men and women up to three times her age. But Sarah's mother said her education comes first. Sarah is also a straight A student, but dance has fast become a huge part of her life. She even makes it sound easy. My tips to get a bullseye. Stand in your favourite position, mark the outer ball, which is in green colour, and just throw the arrow. Darts and PNG is not just inclusive of all ages, but has long executed policies to include women. You, you really can't uh, run your team unless you have women in it. So I think that was one of the, uh, the good moves by the association executives, uh, I think, in, in the mid-2000s, who made sure that uh, women were part of the sport. One of those women is Telpepe Bombers player Martha Sir. I wouldn't consider addiction, but you know, it's an it's an obsession. It's um it's something that, like, for me, it keeps me on my feet. Like literally, it keeps me on my feet. Um, it makes me relax. It calms me down if I'm under pressure or if I'm stressed about something. I know that if I come down, get my arrows, throw a few few darts. For me personally, it just helps me relax. Darts is becoming quite a scene all over the Pacific. A record number of countries attended the region's premier competition, the South Pacific Darts Championships, in January this year. Solomon Islands, Vanuatu, Fiji, the Cook Islands, Niue and the host nation Tonga all competed. Due to lack of funding, PNG hasn't attended since the inaugural event in 2018 when Papua New Guinea won both the men and women's gold. Spurred on by PNG's proof of talent on the Pacific stage, the PNG Darts Federation is calling for the sport to be included in the Pacific Games. Here's Federation President Moline Kilapak. I think for Papua New Guinea, our, um, we have some very good justifications. The first is that as the inaugural champions for men and women, we've already expressed our uh, intention to include darts in the Pacific Games through our Sports Foundation and the National Olympic Committee. I think one of the requirements is for all member countries to be affiliated or registered with the national or the local Olympic committees for it to be considered as a sport in the Pacific Games. The central organisation for the sport in the region is the South Pacific Darts Association. It has been organising the Pacific Games bid, which requires letters of support from the member nations' Olympic committees. The SPDA said the inclusion of darts in the 2027 Pacific Games hosted in Tahiti looks promising. And if Mr Kelapak is right, PNG could be going home with a bag full of medals. Unlike other team sports where we send a lot of players down and they just buy for one gold or one medal and come back, that is something similar to weightlifting, athletics as well, where there's lots of gold medals to be won. Um, Currently, there's a minimum of seven medals and a maximum of, I think, 21 medals. So it's, it's one particular sport that can bring in many gold medals for our country should be participating in the Pacific Games. ABC Pacific Sports reporter Ali Almond with that report. 
This is the Friday sports edition of Pacific Beat. It's March 10 and footy season is back and starting to take hold. The PNG Hunters are back in action this weekend. It's already round three of the Super Rugby season. The Sevens are in full swing. Meanwhile, the Super W season is just around the corner. And who better to break it all down than friend of the show, Tia Rocco, Pacific sports journalist and administrator of the Fiji Rugby Facebook group. Tia, welcome. Yandra Vinaka and Pacific Greetings, Carl, from Galawinku in the East Arnhem region of the Northern Territory. So much happening in the sporting world uh, this weekend, Carl. Yeah, so much. And look, let's start with women's rugby because it was International Women's Day uh, this week and the, F- the Fijiana and Drua were front and centre of celebrations uh, in Suva, I understand. Yes, happy International Women's Day to our listeners out there in the region. Yes, during the week across the region, a lot of celebrations, a busy lead up to the 2023 season call for all things in rugby and rugby league. Last month, we had the finalisation of the Fijian and Drua coach in Okemaile. He comes into the space with heavy responsibilities ahead. So in Suva this week, uh, this week, an event celebrating International Women's Day 2023, organised by the Women and Media and Sports and Pacific Oz Sports, uh, Kyle. Members of the media were given the opportunity to ask questions to the players about rugby as a career and the issues they faced in a male-dominated sport. Uh, Kyle, yeah, really interesting. I mean, uh, let's be honest; that there's a lot, a lot of issues that that come with that. What kind of things came out? Well, Fiji Village reported that two key players talked about very important issues. The first being equal pay. Asinate Serevi discussed the following. She thinks that women should be paid exactly as men are paid because they are playing the same sport on the field. She also went on to say that the Itoke context or the Fijian context, women playing in a male-dominated sport is against uh, our cultural protocols, yet they do what they are passionate about and women should not be seen in a different way. Another issue is discussed by Soteri Rosalea. You will remember she won the player of the match tournament after scoring a try and featuring strongly in the team's 21-17 famous win over South Africa. The newly signed Fijian and Drua forward talked about negative comments and body shaming on social media that saw her quit rugby three years ago. And, uh, you know, Soteri was raised in... Brisbane and started playing uh, the sport competitively um, from the age of 16, I believe. The former Queensland Reds representative said that it was tough for her to continue after being attacked for her physical appearance and being bullied online. So, Carl, two very important issues brought to the table for Asinate. She did say that she, um, you know, the, the what she was recommending in terms of the pay was a work in progress and uh, when it comes comes to equal pay for rugby, I will go on further to say that this is definitely an issue that I'm sure Fiji Rugby will look into in the future. We all know that Fiji uh, female players are not paid a fraction of the men's pay across other international rugby jurisdictions. However, there has been many changes in the space, Kyle. Yeah, it's it's sad to hear some of those things, but but good good to hear that some progress uh, might be made. Speaking of the Super W season, that was actually uh, officially launched in Sydney on Wednesday. Now the Fijiana Enduro, they've got the Brumbies uh, next week at home, I believe. Uh, I, know, I know you you follow them closely. How are they looking? 
Oh, they're looking very much ready and it'll be interesting to see. They will, of course, be defending their title uh, in 2023 and uh, fans in Australia and abroad are all looking forward to watching the, the fixtures online, uh, Kyle. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. They, they 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 really were, you know, probably the story of the year in a lot of ways uh, last year. It's still incredible to think back of that, that incredible win over the Waratahs. Now, just on some of those issues we mentioned earlier, I'm interested to know, is that is the support uh, within Fiji representative of, of what they've achieved within Super W? Uh, unfortunately not. So in Fiji, a lot of things need to happen uh, in terms of the treatment of women in rugby. And as the sport continues to grow, in not only in Fiji, but across the region, I think we can expect to see a lot of uh, changes. I don't think that there is enough advocacy in the space around the subject we're talking about right now, but definitely something we can revisit in terms of a, an in-depth uh, discussion in future. Yeah, well, let's hope that, uh, that, that the people listening, you know, that we can, we can make some changes on that front. Listen, speaking of women doing great things, you actually came across a, an article, uh, this week around, uh, women doing some, some, or Pacific women doing some pioneering, uh, in the sport of rowing. Is that right? Yes. What a beautiful story it is about outrigger canoeing. Uh, so outrigger canoeing, uh, mostly using canoes, va'a canoes as they're called, has been contested at Pacific Games since 1995. And the last one was held in Tahiti. And Tahiti has dominated the competition since its inception. But a beautiful story by ABC's Pacific Sports Show. Here, Puamanu uh, Hatapuku Walker tells a story about uh, taking her outrigger or vaca out on Sydney Harbour, celebrating her Australian and Cook Islands uh, heritage, Carl. So it's definitely a story that warms my heart and a story about a sport that needs to be showcased more in the Pacific in terms of the development of a, a healthy and a lively competition. Throughout the Pacific, Carl, there are many voyaging societies and outrigging or paddling, um, which is for us not only a sport but a way of living. So as a competitive sport in the region, I think it has potential uh, for more growth and it would be interesting interesting uh, story to further explore in relation to what's happening for each country in the space and how we could further develop the current competition profile across the region in outrigging and also competing in Australia or New Zealand. Now, I want to sidestep before we get to the top of the clock. We heard earlier uh, that former PM Frank Bainimarama has been charged for abuse of office. Uh, it follows reports that, that FRU will be conducting a performance review um, into the performance of the Fiji Sevens uh, men and women's programs. I, I guess, what, what do you make of the leadership within, uh, within FRU uh, at, at the moment? Oh, look, very quickly, Kyle, because you know that this is a story that I'm passionate about. Historically, Fiji rugby is plagued by financial and governance issues. A pure reflection of the previous government's way of conducting business, a culture that has diminished a clean rugby reputation in the local and international ecosystem 
somewhat saved by the continued outstanding performances of Fijian rugby players who continue to excel across the globe. We'll all agree to that. In relation to the Sevens team, a lot of fans are talking about it online. I was in a Zoom call with Ben Golings and other Fiji uh, media online. Golings does not look happy. Something is definitely amiss in that camp. You have pressure coming in from all sides, Kyle. Even the CEO is talking about potentially tapping into Ben Ryan. There's talk about controversial recruitment of the SNC coach not being up to par and the, and the boys looking uh, very tired. So definitely, look, we as Fijians are used to having a winning side and there is no compromise on this for our people, unfortunately. We'll Seven have to, years. sorry to you, we'll have to leave it there. It's, it's fascinating stuff and we can't wait to see yes. it. That's all we've got time for on Pacific Beat. We'll be back at the same time, 6am on Monday. Priyanka Srinivasan will with you then. You can hear us again this afternoon. Have a fantastic day.